Hello, this is Peter Woolfolk. First, let me say thank you so much for being a listener. Now, I want to alert you to our shiny new podcast website located at podpage.com. However, you can go directly to the podcast site located at www.publicrelationsreviewpodcast.com. There, you can contact me through email. You can leave a voice message. You can leave a review. You can read an episode blog and frequently learn about the podcast guests. You might also want to suggest podcast topic ideas or even suggest a guest. You can also let me know if you would like to receive our podcast listener logo that you can post on your social media. So I look forward to hearing from you about our new podcast website, www.publicrelationsreviewpodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening to the Public Relations Review Podcast and have a great day. Welcome. This is the Public Relations Review Podcast, a program to discuss the many facets of public relations with seasoned professionals, educators, authors, and others. Now, here is your host, Peter Woolfolk. Welcome to the Public Relations Review Podcast and to our listeners all across America and around the world. Now, we have all been advised that storytelling is the most impactful way of delivering a message. My guest today is Adina White. She is an APR and she is also the principal with Black Belt Media. She is also the first black president of the Arkansas chapter of the Public Relations Society of America. And she, too, has a podcast. Now, she is a strong proponent of social impact storytelling. So, from Conway, Arkansas, I welcome my guest today, Adina White, and I want to say thank you so very much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So, when we talk about social impact storytelling, tell me, what is that to you? Okay, uh, what that means to me is using stories and using communication to affect change and to move the needle. And I can take this back to when I was in college, not necessarily the exact social impact storytelling, but what I really loved about PR when I was taking my classes was that final class we did, that capstone class, where we, where we learned about how PR is used to change behaviors and attitudes. Like, of course, we took PR writing and we, we learned about graphic design on really old programs that probably don't exist anymore, so I'm going to reveal my age there. But anyway, what, I, what really attracted me to it, because I was like, oh, PR can be used to do things for good. So in college, I was attracted to nonprofit PR. And, um, and so I've always kind of liked PR in that regard. My two full-time roles, I, was, I did a lot of writing and editing, and I, I was very tactical, and, which, is, which is good when you're just starting out, but I knew I wanted to kind of see the effects of what I was doing of course, we both jobs I've had, we did a lot of event planning, so, so I was able to kind of see an event be successful. And I know those things lead to big picture stuff. But when it comes to social impact, I think what really got me wanting to go into that space was probably, and we're both Southerners, so, and we're, what really matters is we're both Americans. And as you may recall, back um, in Charleston, South Carolina, Several years ago, there was a shooting at the church where nine black churchgoers were killed by a white supremacist. And 
during that same time, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement was taking up steam. There's a lot of talk about race when it comes to that sort of thing. So I, that really got me wanting to get more social justice. So I started using volunteer opportunities to pursue that. So I, I volunteered for a race relations um, task force our city had. I joined a social justice organization and led a book club on a book called So You Want to Talk About Race. So I was really getting into, like, social justice type work as a volunteer. But then it kind of dawned on me, like, I want to do this as my life's work. So, um, of course, you know, jobs in that arena are kind of few and far between. In Arkansas, we have some great organizations here to do that work. But, of course, those jobs are are taken and people are happy there. They don't leave. So um, eventually after the election in 2016, I noticed there was a gap. I noticed that black Southerners were kind of being left out of the national conversation. So you have, on the left, you had people who were just really upset with the South for electing um, the president, Donald Trump. And then you had people on the right who would use Chicago and other big northern cities as a catch-all for black people. So I was like, where are the black Southerners? So I wanted to um, use my expertise in communication to kind of fill that gap. And so um, I was going to have a blog, and then that's a lot of work and a lot of writing. And the first story I did was really long, and the person I interviewed had a lot of emotion on the phone. So I was like, this needs to be audio. But I'm not a podcaster. I'm not a talker. So let me just let that go for a second. But then one of my friends who was really excited about the idea for Black Belt, which is what I called it, to represent black Southerners, she agreed to be a podcast co-host. My sister, you know, the podcasting is a... It's quite a bit of work, and my sister has editing experience, so she agreed to help edit. And so that's how our podcast was born, and we focus on black Southerners, particularly those who are in the social justice space. So people who we, we tell stories from black folks down south that honor black history, celebrate black Southern culture, and shape a more progressive future for the south. So we're using storytelling in that way to focus on black Southerners, but ultimately I want to use that my expertise in doing this podcast now since 2019 and telling these stories to help organizations across the South that are focused on cause-driven issues to help them tell their stories through consulting. So, so Black Belt Media, I know that's a big, long answer, but Black Belt Media is how I want to accomplish this. So I'm telling stories of Black Southerners here to fill a gap myself, but then I want to help cause-driven organizations across the South tell the stories of their change makers, their donors, their employees, their community members who are doing great things across the South. Mm-hmm. You know, because if we talk about social impact storytelling, let me just bring this up because just before we, uh, not too long before we uh, came on, I uh, just Googled it and the first thing that popped up was something from Georgetown University. I had no idea that it was that big. Mm -hmm. It was a uh, a, um, certificate program that Georgetown University uh, offers for uh, uh, social impact storytelling. And what they say is this. History has shown that stories are inextricably linked to what it means to be human. Before there was formal communication, there were stories. So it should come as no surprise then that social movements and organizations like nonprofits, foundations, and socially responsible businesses are now working to leverage stories as a strategic tool to advance important missions. Effective stories are powerful because they drive action, spur donations, they mobilize supporters, and more. By building emotional connections, stories bring to life the work of the issues that we care so much about in ways that other forms of communication cannot do. 
So that begins to say a whole lot, you know, as to why people are engaging as such as yourself, you know, in, in uh, the social impact storytelling. Yes, it does. And, and when I was trying to put a name for what I wanted to do, I also came across a certificate, and it is on my, whatever you call it, vision board, bucket list, whatever. <laughs> like, I am, I am going to save up and, and take this because it, it's exactly what I want to do. And so I want to be able to learn more about it so I can better help my clients and better connect the dots. Because I can tell the stories, as, a, as communicators, we know how to tell stories, but how do we tell stories that inspire action and that change behavior and to change, to change outcomes for people? So um, and I love how it starts off when you said that stories are our oldest form of communication and they are what link us to what it means to be human. Um, there's a theory from, um, called, from Cronin and Pierce. It's called Coordinated Management of Meaning. And it talks about stories lived and stories told. So the stories live, like that's, that's the story, that's, those are our lives that we live, that's what we do every day. Our story live is us talking on this podcast right now. And the stories told, those are the things we say about the stories live. So if I get off this call, when I get off this call and I tell someone, I just had a great conversation with Peter Wolford from the, from the Public Relations Review podcast, that's, that's my story told. So those things kind of, when we combine our stories lived with our, our stories told, that affects how people see us and how we see ourselves so that's kind of how with black belt that theory meant a lot to me because as a black southerner my story told the story told about the south which was which is mostly things that pertain to the dominant culture didn't seem to match the story that i live as a black southerner who grew up rural even though those two things should have been congruent but they're not the way people talk about the south so the same goes with our communication in, in our organizations. You know, we have to make sure that the stories we tell about our, our organizations and the work we do, they match with the stories that, that the lives that these people are living that we're trying to serve. And um, so I think just making those two things be in, be in partnership, I think that's how we can be successful. You know, well, as, as, I, as I listened to you and I was thinking my way through that, it, it seems mm-hmm. that, you know, that these stories have to, you know, pull at the heartstrings. I mean, they have to tell, mm-hmm. tell the truth the way things are, uh, not the way we would necessarily always like them to be, but hear how things are and hear how they could be under certain conditions. And we as a group collectively have to, to work to make sure those conditions come into being so that, you know, we're all on the same level playing field, so to speak. But it, but it has to, what got me about this is that it has to pull at the heartstrings to make people realize that, you know, something needs to be done to correct uh, or make certain other things happen. Yes, yes, very true. And they, they have to be emotional and they have to, um, we, we have to use the stories to kind of read between the lines and to find themes because a lot of times, you may talk to different people and share their stories, but then there may be an underlying thing that, that you may not really get to the heart of until you bring some people together and you figure out, oh, everyone's kind of saying the same thing in different ways. And that's how we can use stories to create change when we're able to, number one, discover diverse stories um, that aren't just kind of the ones we're used to hearing. And number two, take those stories and look and look for what emerges, look for what the things that come out and how, and how what the people are saying through telling their stories because that's how that's how we learn is through story. So I think, um, yeah, I think I think you're very right about it. it has to be emotional, and then it, we have to kind of use it to see what they're not saying and also see what they're saying just that goes beyond like the the basic story. Well, you know, adding to that, I think uh, you know not only emotion but the emotion is is triggered by something, 
And that mm-hmm. by, by something perhaps is, you know, things that people have perhaps have not heard before. You know, when you really start talking about, you know, the ups and downs and trials and tribulations that people have, some of those things the listeners or your audience might not have heard before. And as a result of hearing it, that uh, someone had some some hills to climb, some battles to fight, hurdles to jump, those kinds of things make people now begin to pay attention because their normal response a lot of times is, well, you know, I never knew that. That's when change begins to occur, when people learn things mm-hmm. that they hadn't heard before uh, or hadn't even been encouraged to look into. So now you're beginning to affect change in a positive way because what you, the story you're telling begins to make sense and it's it's a fair and honest story, I think, uh, as to that uh, of movement of making change happen. Yeah, that's right. Because when we hear other people's stories, and we better understand where they're coming from. And uh, just because we don't experience something doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. And I think we're seeing that more and more. Like people are like, "Oh well, there's no way you experience racism or sexism or, or ableism or things like that." And people may say that because they don't experience those things because they may be in a privileged class in any of those areas. So, so if someone tells me, oh, it's really hard to get into that building and they're in a wheelchair, and I'm like, no, it's not. I just walk right in. I mean, that's, that, that tells you, like, we're not coming from the same place, and that's why we need stories, and that's why we need to have empathy and listen to others. So, yeah, exactly right. You know, I also think a lot of times it's the messenger. As, as you were talking, uh, and I forget her name, Greta something or another, she looks like a teenager. But uh, yes. the one you see who was talking about climate change and and uh, <laughs> the fact is that, you know, she's taking it right to the adults. She's speaking at the U.N. She's all of what, 15, 16, 17 years old, someone in that neighborhood. Yes. But uh, she's telling she's speaking truth to folks. And uh, the, she is the one who's saying that we're the ones going to have to live with what it is you're doing. You need to fix this, you know, because <laughs> I can't do it right. right now. You can. So, you know, telling people the stories with, with some emotion attached to it because I am the person that, that is taking the beating from what you guys are creating or failing to fix. So, yeah, I need you to fix it so, so I can be around to do whatever it needs to be done 10, 20 years from, from now. Yes, and I'm glad you brought her up because there's a book I, I, I read by Elaine Welteroff. She was the first black editor-in-chief of Teen Vogue. And, uh, and she, she's, a, she's a media personality, and she, was, she wrote a book called More Than Enough. And she, in that book, she has a quote that she says, in order to change the stories, you must change the storytellers. So we can have someone like Al Gore or people like that talking about climate change. People have been talking about it for years. But to change the story about climate change, we have to change the storyteller. So we have to talk to a team who hopefully has, you know, decades, more years on this earth, that for a lot of us who are older, we won't see the, the effects of it. Mm-hmm. So I think that changes the story of climate change when we see, okay, this person right here who's passionate about it, she wants to live in a world where she doesn't have to worry about a bunch of floods and earthquakes and where if she wants to have kids, her kids won't have to worry about that. So we need to do something now. So I think that's, that's very important because without their voices, we can just see it as like, well, I won't be here in a hundred years, so who cares, you know? Well, you know, and a lot of times it's probably not going to take that long. One of the things, I think it might have been uh, uh, one of the uh, uh, news shows that I noticed about how many people are now flying up to Iceland. Mm. And what is going on in Iceland is that, uh, you know, global warming is having a huge impact. And what, uh, what Iceland is doing is that, you know, come see this before it all goes away. 
and you know people oh, wow. who, who have some feelings about global warming and so forth are going because you can see the icebergs the, you know the chunks of them falling apart uh, all of those other kinds of things and other places uh, they might even have some tours down in uh, Brazil for the uh, the rainforest down there how uh, they're knocking that down basically put up buildings uh, so so people need to be able to see and understand how it's going to impact their lives in a way that they are not going to like if they don't do something about it sometime soon. Yes. Oh, yes, that's very true. So, you know, one of the things that I thought was really, really important as, as I read that piece was, you know, putting emotion into something so that, you know, people can feel it rather than just reciting information that's not the same as, as telling a story that, that people can get their hands around or get some experiences from it or you know, say, well, you know, I never thought of it that way. Have you decided how you're going to approach your storytelling? Yes, and I think emotion is one reason why we opted to do a podcast versus a blog because, number one, podcasts are where it's at. We, know, we both have one. We know that they are very popular, but also... It was the act of doing, of writing a blog because my first blog post that I did was probably early 2018. And I interviewed someone who was kind of on the same path as me, except, you know, because after the election, she was inspired to make a change and to, to make a difference. So she founded this organization in Nashville, Tennessee, where she lives, about um, voter equity. And, like, it's called the Equity Alliance. It's, it's kind of encouraging black people to vote and making sure that the barriers are or knocked down for voting. So anyway, she really got that organization off the ground, so I wanted to talk to her for the Black Belt Voices podcast, or not podcast, the Black Belt Voices blog. So anyway, um, we had a phone call, and I was talk having a conversation like we are right now, and she was talking about the impact her mom had on her life and how her mom was, who her mom went to school later in life and to college later in life, and she was a single mom raising kids, and she was just working all the time and going to school, but she still made a point to take care of her family. And Charlene Oliver, who I was speaking to, she, she started crying on the phone, just thinking about the impact her mom had on her and thinking about how grateful she was for her mother's sacrifice. And so during that call, I was thinking, like, man, this would be a great podcast because, because of the emotion. And I was, I was feeling the pressure of trying to turn her emotion into a, into a written story. Like I was having trouble, like how am I going to really communicate how she's feeling right now? And I know that people, gifted writers, know how to do this. But for me, I was, I was, I thought the audio would have been great. So um, that was kind of what sparked the idea for a podcast for Black Belt because, because of the emotion she had in that story. So that's absolutely right. Like, that doesn't mean our stories always have to be in audio or video. They can, they can still be written. They can be a powerful quote. They can be so many things. But, Emotion is, the emotional connection is what inspires change. Because if you don't connect to the story or the storyteller, you're not going to be motivated to act. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, that's central to it all. Well, in addition to that, uh, you know, looking for those stories, too. Uh, you know, stories can cover a wide range of things. It could be educational stories. It could be stories about jobs or lack thereof, health travel, transportation, a wide range of stories to, you know, because having a podcast, it means you've got to have something to, to talk about. So, yes. so, so part of my planning for, for instance, uh, I talk about public relations topics and storytelling story certainly falls in there. But then after I do this one, uh, what am I going to talk about on the next one? So part of it is, is planning ahead so that, 
so that you can begin to build up a wealth of uh, of episodes, as they call them. And the more you have, the more people you'll attract to, the, the more places that, that will carry it. Because right now, this podcast is carried on like 30-some-odd sites mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, with a worldwide audience. So I've got people lined up to get on here probably send, into sometime early next year. So, but the basis of impactful storytelling, I, I think, is important. You, you, you're you on to something there. Uh, I'm just suggesting about the planning, you know, the, the topics you'll cover so that, you know, the next time you're, you're ready to do one, you've got some people and the, the topics to talk about, that sort of thing. Oh, yes. And that's, the planning helps out a lot. Number one, because a lot of us, we, we have other job responsibilities to do. So planning makes it easier to do a podcast on the side and, you know, which is now becoming more of my main thing, but it, but it's still not. There's still other things I have to do. So we write in seasons, and we, we release every other week instead of weekly because that's a lot of work. And so we have our season three mapped out. And um, the hope is to use our off-season, the summers, to capture the stories, which is what we, we've done. We have a lot of interviews under our belt, but we, kind of like you were talking about, we, we go back and add narration later. So, um, so we have the interviews done. We just need to add narration to a lot of the interviews but yeah it really does help to map out what we're going to talk about because you know our first season it was not we we kind of bounced around a little more but our second season and and this season we're getting a little more focused so we're going to we kick things off talking about preserving our history we're going to have a few episodes on that from different people and then we're going to move into food so we're going to talk about black food culture from a macro level like looking at black food and food justice and things like that but then we're going to dive in a little smaller and look at someone who owns their own restaurant and then, then we'll follow it up with, like, the cultural things, like black humor, black church, things like that. So you're absolutely right that we, you kind of need an outline for several months in advance so you can, you can tell a story in a thematic way. So we're telling one person's story, but it relates to an overall theme. And, and like I mentioned earlier, our themes, we try, to, we try our best to point to, um, we, we want to have fun, too. It's not just all about social justice and stuff, which is fun, but, but it's about history it's about culture, and then it's also pointing to people who are making a difference. So that's so yeah, the planning is definitely important. If you don't plan, let us say you fail to plan, you plan to fail, and that's, that's mm-hmm. so true in podcasting for sure. <laughs> well, I, I can certainly <laughs> agree with that. Well, you know, Dina, you've provided us with a lot of information about the uh, essence of uh, social impact storytelling. Are there any sort of closing words you'd like uh, our listeners to uh, get from you about uh, the the impact of social uh, so, social impact storytelling? Uh, I, well, I think as PR professionals, I have my accreditation in public relations, and one thing that's central to that exam is the four-step strategic communications process, which is research, planning, implementation, and evaluation, or RPI, as they call it. Mm-hmm. So I think to, to uncover these stories, I think, number one, you know, you have to research, you have to find out, you have to find more stories. So that, that, that can include uh, a survey. That can include just asking around, asking people who aren't at the communications table throughout your organization, your volunteers who may have neat stories to share. And then from there, we know you start planning. You can plan your communication around those stories, uh, figure out how those stories can reach your organization's goals. And then implementation, those are telling the stories. And we know that we're short on time. So it doesn't have to be... You don't have to start a podcast. You don't have to have a big blog post, but you can get one story and repurpose it in different ways. You can make it into a Facebook post, an Instagram story. You could do, you can make a longer video for YouTube. You can extract things for a blog post. You can post a quote from the story. So we can just repurpose those stories in different ways to reach different audiences. And then finally, we evaluate our results. So like did that story that we tell 
Did it help increase donations? Did it help get registrations? Did it help do whatever our our objective was that we set early on? So, so I think that's just what I want to close it with. As communicators, we need to operate strategically. And sometimes it's easy, as I know from experience, to get caught up in the weeds and to get caught up in the tactics of just cranking things out, not thinking about how it's making a difference. But I think um, if we just step back, like you said, when it comes to podcasting, step back and look and, and, and think about how those stories can help us achieve our business goals and whether we work in-house for, for an agency with clients or have our own business. I think we just need to step back and look at how stories can make a difference. Because we're all, even though not everyone works for a nonprofit or a foundation or other places that we consider cause-driven, we all have an objective that we want to accomplish for our organization. So I think we can use stories to get there, and we can be valuable assets to our companies when we do that. Well, very good. Adina, let me thank you so very, very much for joining the uh, Public Relations Review Podcast. And uh, to my listeners, let me say again, uh, thank you as always for listening. And uh, if you've enjoyed the show, uh, not only share it with your colleagues, but also give us a review. And also, don't forget to listen to the next edition of the Public Relations Review Podcast. This podcast is produced by Communication Strategies, an award-winning public relations and public affairs firm headquartered in Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you for joining us. Hi, this is Peter Woolfolk speaking. Now, first of all, thank you so very much for listening to the podcast. Now, I am very excited to let you know that the podcast is now available on Amazon Alexa. You know the drill. Simply say, Alexa, play Public Relations Review Podcast, and she'll take it from there. And again, thank you for listening. And if you enjoy the program, please become a subscriber. Now, on to the podcast.